22. KRVN. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, and welcome to the end of the week and a crazy week that it was within the market trade. Of course, we saw today cattle numbers uh, taking a drop, both on the live and the feeder side. We had some uptick a little bit on the hog trade today. On the grain side, it was higher on the corn and the wheat and lower on the soybeans. At least on the uh, nearby wheat in Chicago, uh, they did take a little bit of a dip, too. A lot of factors that are being looked at on this trade today, including the fact that we had a WASDI report that came out. But beyond that, what's going on in these cattle markets? We've been talking input costs from a grain perspective. We are going to look at what these input costs are coming from a livestock perspective as well. Joining us is Kyle Bunstead. He is with Allendale. So let's talk about this move we've seen just the last couple of weeks on this cattle. It's nice to see some positive numbers and at least moving to hopefully a little bit of profitability for these guys. Well, that's right, Susan. First of all, thanks for having me back. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's been an excellent move here in this feeder cattle and this live cattle complex. And, uh, you know, I've, I've always said the cash has got to be the leader here and then watch the spreads and then uh, the outright should follow. And that's kind of how it happened here. Uh, cash cattle started out this week uh, trading, you know, 35 to 36. And then we got up as high as 37 here on Friday. And you kind of thought, uh, or the way looking at some of these uh, live cattle and feeder cattle spreads here, uh, that something was going to happen here in the futures because uh, there was a lot of commercial buying early on pretty much all week up until today we saw commercial buying in both the live cattle and the feeder cattle spreads and today was kind of a given there was going to be some profit taking here a little bit of a setback which a setback is okay it would not surprise me if these august feeder cattle maybe meander back on back down to that 172 173 area here potentially and then find a little bit of support down there against some key moving averages but in a short amount of time we've gotten these charts kind of overbought here especially these august feeders here on a daily to on the daily charts the weekly charts still have a little bit more room to the upside i mean if we're looking strictly at a weekly chart this is the third week up and uh wouldn't you know you could be looking for a little bit more of an extension higher and then maybe putting in somewhat of a short-term reversal in the intermediate trend here to uh, coincide with some of the chart structure any surprise uh that the packers were desperately looking for cattle as we wrap up a friday trade uh, yes and no, but uh, there has been some rumors out there that some of those uh, packers in the Southern Plains were kind of short bought on some cattle and kind of been hearing that all week. And they uh, they kind of started out and just stepped up the bid here just a little bit early uh, this week and started paying that 136. And then they started, uh, you know, coming out here. There's over 1,200 that traded at 137 here on uh, Friday. So that uh, took place in Kansas, and that looks good here to finish off the week. Uh, I'd like to hear some higher cash trade after the close like the good old days, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Ah, fingers crossed, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. What about what about it when we compare the north to the south right now? I know that there had been a lot of discussion of, you know, the movement of cattle and the weights of these cattle um, when you compare the two portions of the country. Well, that's right. And the southern plains, the last uh, three to four weeks, we've seen them just kind of, you know, let them just just turn them loose at the bid or whatever and you can't say as you blame them i mean when you look at the price of feed down there in the southern plains you know you're talking there was upwards at one time you know corn was rumored to be close to nine bucks a bushel in the bunk i don't know if it actually physically got that high down there but uh, there was talk that it could have gotten that high and so they were just you know just letting them go at the bid or whatever and uh you know longer term that's a good thing to clean these cattle up there in the southern plains but typically we see the northern plains cattle here like the nebraska cattle and the texas cattle they over 
the summer months, they typically come together in price before, you know, we, we typically trade, uh, you know, three to five dollar premium here north over the south. Well, in the summertime, when we get into the big numbers, uh, that's typically when that narrows up that basis between the north and south kind of narrows up and we've still got somewhat of a, of a spread there. So over time, I do look for that to kind of narrow up as history has shown us it does do that. All right, let's we talked about the weights on these cattle. Let's talk about the input costs. Um not not as much we'll talk about the feed side of it, but let's talk about getting these cattle out of the feedlots and getting into well, processing. That's that's getting pretty tight. Yeah, it, it is. And there's there's a couple things on the horizon we don't hear much about. Um, we are starting to hear a little bit more about one of them here uh recently with the with the cost of fuel. Now I was talking with uh you know, trucking company over here in northeast Nebraska here yesterday back and forth a little bit. And this gentleman told me that he sets his rate on Sunday nights and he sits down on Sunday night the next week and readjusts his rates as he kind of has to. And I've been talking, uh, I got some clients there in Texas and they were hauling some cattle up here to central Nebraska here to the yards. And, uh, you know, it's nothing to lay a hundred, $125 bill up there to haul some cattle up there you know, to, to haul, uh, fats or feeders, whatever it may be. It's nothing to lay out over a hundred bucks a head just to get cattle shipped. And that's, uh, that adds up. I mean, it, it's it's not a cheap fuels. Fuel is not a cheap expense anymore when it comes to uh, freight, and uh, that's kind of trickling over maybe onto the box beef side here. When you've got gas, you know, gas and diesel, what it is at the pump, how much is left for the consumer to spend at the meat counter? That's something really in question that I have. But another thing that I've got in question too is an expense that's not really largely talked about is the is the interest expense. Um, when you're talking, I've been uh, talking, calculating some break evens and things like that with some grow yards, and and uh, you know one of the main, one of the expenses that we really didn't uh, talk about much in the past has been the the cost of money, and uh, it all depends on the customer. It all depends on on what their banking and financial situation is. But you know, you say if they are having to go to ten percent on some short term. Uh, livestock, which I don't think it'll get that high, you know, on a $1,500 animal, that's 150 bucks. And, you know, you amortize that out. That's, that's not a cheap expense when it boils down to it. It's not as cheap as it used to be. If, if you are paying that kind of rate and there is talk of rates to go up that high, uh, you know, or a couple more rate hikes here yet this year. So interest is starting to kind of creep up there too and getting to be a bigger expense. That's going to draw the line in the sand between the profitable, not profitable, keep going or not keep going at this point. It could do that for some, yes, but I, I think that, uh, you know, the cattle feeder mentality is we're going to get her on the next turn, and, and uh, I, I do think that there is brighter days, you know, out ahead of us. We've got to get worked through some of this economic uh, issue that we have here as far as the economy as a whole and, and work through some of these inflation woes. And the good thing is it's not just the cattle industry and the hogs that are dealing with this. It's agriculture as a whole. That is correct. Well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more coming up as we get ready for the second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell. should mention we are at the Nebraska Cattlemen's Mid-Year Conference that is taking place in Valentine, Nebraska. More is coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. If you need flexibility in your seed program, you've found it with Fontenelle. Chad McDaniel is a Fontenelle dealer at Roka, Nebraska. I'm confident Fontenelle has five to six different hybrids that'll work in about any geographic location in Nebraska. Our genetics and the hybrids are specifically selected for this region, and that helps us give the flexibility that our customers need. To find out more about becoming a Fontenelle dealer or about products, go to Fontenelle.com. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide labels. 
to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As I mentioned going into break, we're at the Nebraska Cattlemen's Mid-Year Meeting, which is taking place in Valentine. And if you ever want to be around some optimism, this is the area to be. Even when prices have, have taken the dip, even though they've come back, they've got input costs, there is still optimism within this industry. And we talked a little bit about that on the front half with Kyle Bumstead. Kyle, of course, with Allendale. But you and I, Kyle, were talking during the commercial break about um, the consumer side of this. And I kind of wanted to talk about that with our listeners because money's getting tight. They're having to put the fuel in their tanks just like we are in agriculture. But it's really causing and could cause some pullback issues at the meat counter. It is, and it, and it could very well do so. And I think a lot of times in agriculture, especially, you know, we that feed cattle kind of get, I don't know, biased a little bit. We say, well, we just go to the freezer and grab some steaks, and we have that luxury. We have that mm-hmm. luxury. We feed that animal. We feed our animal. We take it to town to the local locker, or we process it ourselves, and we put it in our freezer. We are not going out there every week and buying steak at the meat counter like some of some like a lot of other folks in the world have to do so when it boils right down to it you know how much it costs to put gas in your pickup you know how much it costs to put gas in the wife's car to get to town back and forth haul the kids around shuffling around at the end of the day how much money is left for the consumer to spend at the meat counter and i know that there's a lot of talk and a lot of things like that that we've talked about here over the last six months the amount of extra money that the consumer's just sitting on ready to spend ready to spend well Everything has gone up substantially in those last six months in petroleum products, yes, but everything from, you know, household goods, normal household goods, everything has gone up in that time frame. So how much money technically is that consumer sitting on is a very good question because when you look at some of the financial data, the credit card use is really starting to get kind of mind-boggling how much credit card debt is getting to be accrued out there on the books, Susan. And at the end of the, you know, you really got to step back and look and say, how much money do they really have to spend here on on beef and, and meat products in general at the meat counter? It is definitely going to bring some frustration. How do I mean, and there's really no way to move past this. As you know, the president talks inflation. You and I have had the inflation conversation before during yes. this program. Yes, yes, we have. And that's it's all going to boil down to what the consumer wants to spend money on. They're going to put gas in the car to go to work or are they going to you know, buy T-bone steaks or, or ribeye steaks at the meat counter? That, that, that becomes the question. So let's talk about the, the WASI report that came out today. Any surprises mm-hmm. that you saw in those numbers? You know, Susan, the, the, the government reports, no, I, I didn't see anything, and the government really didn't change any of their thought process or, or estimates or anything like, like that on the meat or the beef side of things. But uh, looking at the grain side of things, we've got to really step back and look at what the market is telling us. And we may have put the highs in for the year on corn and soybeans, where, you know, soybeans made a new contract high here this week, and it looks like there could be a little bit more room to run, but they, they could use some pullback here based on charts and things like that. Corn could have some more room to run, too maybe go back up and test those contract highs here in December. Depends on what the weather does. But when you look at the market as a whole, we're in the summertime. We're between Memorial Day. We're between the 4th of July. We've got three three-day weekends here, Memorial Day, Juneteenth, and 4th of July coming up. And markets like to change around three-day weekends. Always have. It seems like that's kind of been the nature of the markets. But looking as a whole, the cash basis in corn on a national cash basis index, as quoted by some of the uh, analytical firms out there and some of the data firms, is running over the July futures. I believe, uh, I think there was a, a company, uh, Bar Chart, put theirs out last night. They were a penny and a half over July futures on their national cash basis index. So that tells me that end users, 
i.e. feed yards, ethanol plants, local processors, whatnot, rail, the, the, the ports, they're bidding up to buy corn. And you can see that in the spreads. July's trading 40 and a half cents over September. And you've also looking out there to new crop, the crop that's in the field growing right now that's most susceptible to weather. December is trading two and a half cents under July. You're way less than 33% calculated full commercial carry out there in new crop corn. So what is my incentive to hold that crop and store it out the next July for a higher price? There's really no incentive because I'm not getting paid for it. That tells me the end users are a little bit uncomfortable yet and they're still trying to get coverage right now. They're still trying to get as much as they can off the combine in both corn and soybeans right now they're still trying to bid up to get that stuff in their hands because they need coverage and so and so what that tells me is you know looking at it from a feed yard end user perspective we need to watch those spreads if those spreads start to tighten up then there could be another push higher in this in the in the in the futures market so if we see this thing start to strengthen up out there as far as the carry we may be looking to try to get some coverage on here and try to get some of those needs booked up be it cash be it futures be it options some way, shape, or form, or the other, get some coverage on here on these breaks, unless those spreads start to weaken and we start to build carry out in the market again. All right. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Kyle? You can call me here at the office at 308-708-7340. And of course, we always want to remind folks, commodity futures and options involve a substantial risk of loss that isn't suitable to all investors. That's the Friday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell. Bumstead joining us with Allendale. This has been brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.